Well, it's lovely to be with you, to have fellowship with you today. During the lockdown period, if you remember that far back, as a family, we used to tune in to the services here on Sunday mornings. And my children affectionately know this church as the Blue Curtain Church because they could see the blue curtains and not a lot else. So you're the Blue Curtain Church to my four children. But it is lovely to be here and to have fellowship in the gospel of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. I bring you greetings from the church that I serve, Thornhill Baptist Church. And it's good that we have this fraternal bond in Christ, isn't it? I don't know if you like photography. Is that one of your pastimes, one of your hobbies? Do you remember the old SLR cameras years ago? where you had to set everything manually. You had to set the aperture, and you had to set the shutter speed, and you had to set the focus. Well, today it's all automatic, isn't it? You have it on your mobile phones nowadays, where you just take pictures. But however you take it, whether it's those old, big, clunky, single-lens reflex cameras, or whether it's these modern cameras, you have to make sure that the photograph is in focus, don't you? It's no good to have a blurry, hazy picture. It needs to be in sharp focus. The Gospels, the first four books of our New Testament, put the Lord Jesus Christ into sharp focus, don't they? Not that the other 62 books of the Bible do not, but the Gospels especially highlight and put into bold the wonders of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glories of our Saviour. And these incidents and occasions, they reflect the Lord Jesus wonderfully and powerfully. And we're going to look at one of those incidents. We've got a holistic perspective when we read Matthew, Mark and Luke, because it's in all three of the synoptic Gospels. And with the Lord's help this morning, we're going to be looking at Christ healing the leper. Christ healing the leper. So as we look at these gospels, let's focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. I have a friend, he's a retired minister now, but he was a minister for 40 years in the same church, and he went through all four gospels during his pastorate. And he said this to me, and it may well be a bit of a disservice he was giving to himself, but I can understand the concern and that is he said I got so caught up with all the incidentals and I got so caught up with all the characters and all the places that I didn't really put into focus and put the spotlight on the Lord Jesus Christ and that can be a temptation can't it when we look at the gospel incidents to think about the places and the people without really focusing upon the saviour but we need to focus on Christ. So we're going to look at Christ healing a leper. We have five points. Number one, we're going to see this man's predicament outside of Christ. This man's predicament outside of Christ. Secondly, we're going to see this man's movement toward Christ. Thirdly, we're going to see this man's statement to Christ. Fourthly, this man's encouragement from Christ. And Fifthly, we're going to see this man's fulfilment by Christ. 
I'll reiterate the headings as we go. First of all, then, we'll notice this man's predicament outside of Christ. So the Lord Jesus Christ is early on in his public ministry at this particular stage. He may very well have been at the age of 30 here, early 30s, certainly. And here he's in a particular city, and he meets a certain man. And it's not by accident, is it, that Jesus is in this place at this time meeting this man. Nothing is accidental. Do you ever wonder why events take place in your life? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder why this event takes place, and then that event takes place, and then another event takes place? Do you ever wonder that? Why this, and why this now? And sometimes it seems as if life is a little bit random. It just seems to be just a conglomerate of of all of these different events. But our lives are planned, aren't they? And the life of the Lord Jesus, by the will of his heavenly Father, is planned. He's not by random chance that Jesus is in this particular place at this time meeting this man. It's planned. And our lives are planned. And it may seem as if it's a mess, but it's not. I don't know if you like trains. But sometimes you might look, don't get too far, but if you look at a train track at a junction and you see a lot of tracks and you wonder how on earth can you, can you sort out all the points on this particular track. But there's a man up in the signal box and he knows exactly what he's doing. And in the same way, our lives seem a mess, but if we say it reverently, there's somebody up there who knows exactly what he's doing. And he's called the Lord. And so it's not by random accident that Jesus meets this particular man. And our lives are not a random mess. Now this man is no ordinary man, is he? Our attention is drawn to him. Behold, Luke chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Behold, a man full of leprosy. Our attention is drawn toward him. Have you ever been out and you've seen an amazing sight, and you've said to the person that you're with, look at that particular sight. Behold it, look at it. And your attention is drawn to that wonderful sight. It might be a glorious sunset or something like that. And your attention is drawn to it. Behold. And our attention is drawn to this particular man. Behold. Look at him. Consider him. Gaze upon him. Think about this man. A very different man to every one of us in this room. This man has a debilitating disease. And it was debilitating. It's still around today. It's leprosy in the world today. How we need to pray for those involved in in leprosy missions. It's a very debilitating disease. It affects your nerve endings. So if you were to touch things... You wouldn't be able to feel it. So if it was some hot hob and you were to touch it, you wouldn't be able to feel it at all. Your nerve endings, it goes in your skin. It's all over your skin and then into your bones. It corrupts your blood and it is an awful, awful disease. And what's more, certainly then, I don't know about now, there was no human cure. You couldn't be sent to the doctors and just take this particular medicine and in two or three weeks, 
You'll be right as rain again. It didn't happen like that at all. It was a very debilitating disease. There were certain laws in the Old Testament that regulated lepers. They couldn't live in normal life, in normal community, as we can. They were isolated. COVID wasn't the first time when we had self-isolation. It was in this here in leprosy. And when anyone came near a leper, they would have to cry out, unclean, unclean. They couldn't be involved in the normal social activities of life. And this man had leprosy. And leprosy is a big picture and can be used as an illustration of something that is far, far worse than leprosy. And it's a disease that you and I have got. It may not be visible to us. It certainly isn't on our particular skin like a mark. But we certainly have got it. It doesn't matter how educated or uneducated you are. It doesn't matter uh, where you live. It doesn't matter at what age or stage of life you happen to be in. You and I have this particular problem. It doesn't matter whether you've been to church for 50 years or whether this is your first time to church. We've all got it. And it's called sin. It's an offence against God. That's what sin is. God has given us good laws and we've broken those laws. And that's what the Bible calls sin. And every single one of us has got it. And we're often very quick to point out the faults of others and not so quick at pointing out our own faults, are we? But we all have got it. Every single one of us. Doesn't matter who we are. Doesn't matter where we come from. We have this problem of sin. And we've got to face up to it. You see, there's no point for this man, this leper, saying, well, you know, let's not worry about it too much. Let's not really think about it. No, that would be the elephant in the room, wouldn't it? Because he would have to face the issue. He's got leprosy. And we've got to face the issue. That every single one of us has sin. Furthermore, it says, behold, a man full of leprosy. Behold, a man full of leprosy. He didn't just have leprosy. He was covered with it. He was full of leprosy. They've gone into every part and place of him. Every single aspect of him had leprosy. And behold a person full of leprosy. Behold a person full of sin. Behold. Think about this. You have sin and you are full of sin. It's not just a case that we have a few little misdemeanors in our lives. It's not the case that we've just done a few little things and we've just said a few white lies. We're full of sin. There is a teaching and it says this and it's right. Called total depravity. Have you ever heard of that teaching? Now, we can misunderstand that. Total depravity does not teach that we're as depraved as we possibly can be. Your next door neighbour is probably not on the news for terrorism. There's not out and out carnage, is there? But it means this. Every single aspect of you that makes you you has sin contained within it. Now, there's a glass of water here. Now, just imagine... If you had a piece of dye and you had a pipette and you put it into the water and it soaked in as you, as you do. Have you ever done those in scientific experiments? 
Maybe when back at school with pipettes and, and they're great, aren't they, you know? And so you get a piece of dye, you get the pipette, you put it into the water, and every bit of the water is covered with the dye. And in the same way, every single aspect, every single part of our lives, of our souls, of, of what makes us us, has sin contained within it. Every part of our lives. There's not one thing that doesn't have sin contained within it. We're full of sin. Got to face the facts. So we've seen, first of all, then, this man's predicament outside of Christ. He's a needy man, isn't he? He's this leper who's full of leprosy. And in the same sort of way, you and I are full of sin. Secondly, we see this man's movement towards Christ. So here he is. He's in a city. We don't know what city it is. And he sees the Lord Jesus. He must have heard about Jesus' amazing powers, his amazing miracles, and he sees him in the crowd. He looked at him. He saw Jesus. He looked at Christ, and he saw the Lord Jesus as the one who could help him. Who is Jesus Christ to you? When you think about Christ, what comes into your mind? This man knew that Jesus could help him. He saw that this man could give him help, that could give him healing. He saw Jesus. And just as this man saw Jesus physically, you and I need to see him spiritually. To behold the Lord Jesus Christ. To gaze upon Jesus. To look to Jesus Christ in all our neediness. Just as this man is needy, we too are needy, but spiritually very needy people. And just as this man saw Jesus, we too need to look at Jesus with the eyes of faith. Looking to Jesus. He saw him. And not only did he see him, he didn't just see him and think, well, you know what, that's a good man there. That's a wonderful healer. That's a great person. Well, isn't that marvellous and just carry on twiddling his thumbs and and folding his arms and getting on with his day that's not what he did is it he saw jesus and we're told in mark's version that he came to jesus in mark chapter one and in verse 40 it says that he came to christ he didn't just see jesus he didn't just acknowledge mentally that that was a person who could help him what did he do he actually came to jesus And again, just as this man came and approached Jesus physically, how you and I need to come and approach Jesus spiritually. He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that glorious news? Isn't that wondrous when we're sinners? This man came to Christ. It's no good him just looking at Jesus and admiring him from a distance. He actually came close to Jesus. What about you? Have you ever come to Christ? In all your helplessness, notice this man came to Jesus. Out of all of the people that lived in this city, out of all of those residents in that city, this was the person Jesus came, the, the man came to, Jesus. It wasn't the rabbi. It wasn't the local doctor. He came to Christ. 
And that's the one who can help you in your neediness. He's the only one who can help you in your neediness. The best anyone can do. And what we must do is point people to Jesus, but no minister can save you. No rabbi can really take away your sins. They can't. No relative can cure this otherwise incurable disease other than Christ. He's the Lord Jesus that we need. And we come to Christ. We approach the Lord Jesus. And not only did this man see Jesus, and not only did this man come to Jesus, but we're told in Matthew that he worshipped Jesus. And that's more, I think, than just giving him a little bit of respect. He worshipped him. Again, who is Jesus to you? Just a good person in history? Just a person that we might acknowledge like Winston Churchill? Or is he a person worthy of our worship? He is, isn't he? We worship Jesus Christ. We say with Doubting Thomas all those years ago when finally his doubts were dispelled and Jesus came to him and he said, My Lord and my God. And don't we worship Christ? We say, My Lord and my God. He's not just a good man in history. He's my Lord. And we worship him. And we bow down before him. This leper had the right idea, didn't he? This poor, despised leper. This outcast of society. He got it when the religious leaders didn't get it. He actually worshipped Jesus. Oh, let's be those who worship Jesus Christ. Who worship the Saviour. This man worshipped Christ. And he bowed down before him. And he implored Jesus. He was in earnest. He didn't say to Jesus, well, you know what? I've got this bit of predicament and I'm in a bit of a spot of bother over here. And I've got this this incurable disease called leprosy. If you could just, you know, just heal me, that would be marvellous. But if you don't, then don't worry too much. Is that what he said? Is that what his attitude? It wasn't, was it? What was his attitude? He implored, he besought Jesus. He was in earnest about his state. He really wanted to be healed. And what about us in our state? What about us in our sinfulness before God? In in our rebellion before him? Are we in earnest about our sins? Are we in earnest to have them forgiven before the Lord Jesus? To actually be imploring Christ. To be in earnest over our spiritual state. Or are we well I've sinned but yeah so does everybody else. No this leper was in earnest. He implored Jesus didn't he. So we've seen firstly this man's predicament outside of Christ. What a state he was in and what a state we are in by nature. Alienated from God without God and without hope in the world by nature. This man's predicament outside of Christ. This man's movement towards Christ. Ah, Jesus is the one who can can cure me. And Jesus is the one who can cure you of that far deeper disease of sin. Thirdly, we notice this man's statement to Christ. Well, what does the leper actually say? Well, it's not that many words, is it? But it speaks volumes. It wasn't many words. Lord... If you're willing, you can make me clean. But it says so much, doesn't it? He's respectful. Right from the very first word, what does he say? Lord. 
Now, that word can be used, it's called curios, it can be used as just sir, as a matter of respect, and sometimes it is in the Bible, like the woman of Samaria, you know, sir, it's the same word, curios, but I think he's more here, don't you? Judging by what he's done, as worshipping Jesus and bowing down before Christ, and what's about to come out of his mouth, I think that this leper was actually far more in earnest than just saying, Lord, as just some sort of master, boss, sir, like would with a schoolmaster. No, he's, he's saying, Lord, in a far more deep way. Do we call Jesus Lord from the heart? Lord, he realises he's boss. He's realising he's in control. Lord, and he knows that he's a leper. He knows he's, he's in his awful condition. It's implied, isn't it? What does he say? Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you're willing, if you could just incline yourself toward me, if you have desires towards me, you can make me clean. He's appealing to Jesus' willingness, isn't he? If you're willing, you can make me clean. What that man did by his actions was now backed up with his words. What before was implicit is now explicit, isn't it? Before it was implied, he saw Jesus. He came to Jesus. He wouldn't have come to him if he didn't believe that Jesus could heal him. It would be a waste of time, wouldn't it? But now what was implicit by his actions is now explicit by his words, isn't it? Because he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You've got the ability to make me clean. The word can there, it means power. It means ability. You have the ability to make me clean. He never doubted the Lord's authority and ability, did he? Never doubt it. Fellow sinner friend, never doubt the Lord's ability to save you. He can save the uttermost. And sometimes we people say the guttermost, and he can. It's the wonders of the Christian gospel, isn't it? That the Lord Jesus can save the worst of people. He can save whoever he wants. It's the wonder of the gospel. While there's life, there's hope. You can make me clean. And Jesus can make you clean this morning if you're still in your sins. He can, he can cleanse you. He can purify you from every last spot and stain. You can. You can make me clean. And the Lord Jesus can make you clean. We say, well, how do we know that he can make us clean? Well, we sung it earlier, didn't we? And was it for my sin that Jesus suffered so? It's because of Calvary. It's because of the one who died there upon the cross and what he did upon the cross of Calvary when he suffered for our sins. That's how we know that he's got the ability to make us clean. So we've been remembering at the Lord's table this morning, the Lord Jesus' death for us says, it shouts, it it speaks to us, doesn't it? And says that he has the ability to take away our sins. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Never doubt the Lord's ability to save you. He can do it. He's sufficient to do it. We don't have to try and bring anything to the table ourselves. It's all of Christ. Who can save us? Who can make us clean? So what have we seen? 
We've seen this man's predicament outside of Christ. We've seen this man's movement towards Christ. We've seen, thirdly, this man's statement to Christ. Now, fourthly, we see this man's encouragement from Christ. What reception is this man going to experience? What's going to be the reply of the Lord Jesus? What's he going to say? All ears are on Christ. All eyes are upon him. All attention is riveted. What's he going to say now to this poor leper? What's he going to do as a result of his, of his pleading? Well, actually, before we look at the words of the Lord Jesus, it's interesting to notice, actually, we get an insight into the very heart of the Lord Jesus, don't we? This is why we read all three of the Gospels, because they look at it at slightly different angles. And we're told in Mark's version of events that the Lord Jesus moved with compassion. His heart went out to him. We use that phrase, don't we? Our hearts go out to him. Do you ever see adverts, maybe, and... and for humanitarian aid or something like that, and your heart goes out. And the Lord Jesus' heart went out to this leper. He didn't say, well, I don't want your type. His heart went out to him. He was moved with compassion. And how many times in the gospel does it say that he was moved with compassion? What a heart the Saviour had. He didn't view people as an inconvenience. He didn't view people in an intolerant way. He had a heart for people, didn't he? Have you ever heard of Francis of Assisi? Do you know that Francis of Assisi meditated on how Jesus dealt with this leper and it changed his life? Shouldn't Jesus, and looking at Jesus in the Gospels, change our lives? He was changed by it. Jesus' compassion towards this poor, helpless man. And that should change us. We should have compassion on people, shouldn't we? Do you ever find those queues when you do your shopping on a Saturday really annoying? You know, the queues to the self-service. And then you look down the aisle as you, as you pull your trolley up to, to behind this, what seems a mile-long queue. And you think, oh, come on. Or do you ever view these people as, actually, all of these people in this queue, they have real souls and they... And, and, they're not right as they are. And they'll be an eternity away from God if they carry on. Do we have, are we ever concerned for that? Do you ever see in a city centre lots of paper? What's our attitude? Are we like the Saviour on another occasion? Looked at the crowds and his, he was, they saw them as sheep without a shepherd. And he was moved by them. Are we moved like the Lord Jesus? And people stay. We should never gloat. We should never say, well, I'm better than that person. We're not better by nature than anybody else, are we? Our hearts should go out to people. Jesus had compassion, didn't he? What a beautiful heart the Saviour had, didn't he? A wonderful heart for people. And this was demonstrated here with this leper. He was moved with compassion. And what's more, he touched this leper. This leper was respectful, he didn't come too close, he knew it was contagious, so Jesus had to stretch out his hands and touch him, but he knew the touch of the Lord Jesus on him. That was probably the first touch he'd had from a human ever since he had leprosy. You think about what that touch would have meant for that man, for that leper, that outcast. As here, Jesus touches him. He touches him. 
How we need the touch of Christ, don't we? Spiritually. Have you ever had the touch of Christ? In all our neediness and unworthiness and and our hopelessness to have Jesus touch our souls. The touch of Christ. Again, showing his compassion. And that's before we come to his words, because what does Jesus actually say? He says, I am willing. I am. That's what he is. I am willing. I will. He's appealed to Jesus' willingness, and Jesus responded by simply saying, I am willing. And again, if what the man said was just a short few words, but yet spoke volumes, what about what the Lord Jesus said, just a few short words, and indeed spoke volumes, didn't it? I am willing. I'm willing. Jesus is so willing, isn't he? We should never think that, that in order, when we come to Christ, that somehow we've got to put his arm up his back in order for him to save us. That somehow he doesn't want to, for us to come and to, and to have our sins forgiven. That somehow it's like a, a building that's not very inviting and, and you have to spend half an hour trying to find the front door. And even then when you get there, it's locked. The Christian gospel is not like that at all, is it? Jesus bursts open the doors and his arms are wide open for sinners, friends. And it's open for you, however vile you've been. And he says, I am willing. And Jesus is willing. And he's willing to take in the worst. And he's willing to take in the vilest. And he's willing to take in the weakest. And he's willing to take in sinners like us, isn't he? I'm willing. And again, how do we know that Jesus is really willing? Well, we look at Calvary, don't we? Everything comes back to Calvary. It's like the centre hub nut on a wheel. Do you ever like cycling? Coming here this morning, we saw quite a few cyclists that are out cycling. And when you see a, a, a cycle, a wheel, you see all the spokes. And they come to the, to the centre hub nut, doesn't it? And all these spokes, they lead to the centre hub nut. And in the same way, all of these things, they lead to the cross. They lead us to the centre, the heartbeat, the engine of the Christian gospel when Jesus died on the cross for sinners. And we know that Jesus was willing because of his death at Calvary, because he shed his precious blood upon the cross. There's a lovely hymn. It's not in New Christian hymns. It's in Grace hymns. I like old Grace hymns, don't you? Lovely hymn book. Anyway, not against New Christian hymns, by the way. But the thing is, is this. It's got his lovely hymn. And it says this, how willing was Jesus to die that we fellow sinners might live the life they could not take away. How ready was Jesus to give. Jesus didn't go to the cross kicking and screaming. Even when he thought about the agonies of Calvary as he's a human as well as a man and as he felt every pain physically as well as spiritually. Even then he said, not my will, but yours be done, didn't he? He set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. He was so willing to die, like Abraham was willing to offer up Isaac on that that altar. And so Jesus is willing to die. He's willing to go through with it. He said, didn't he, on one occasion, that he could call all those legions of angels to come and bail him out. But he didn't, did he? Why? Because he went through with it. He died on the cross. For us, the willingness of the Lord Jesus is seen by him going through that worst of injuries, that worst of atrocities, 
when he died upon the cross. Jesus was very willing. And Jesus is willing and able to save sinners. We're going to sing a hymn later on. And it says this. How It says, he is willing. He is willing. He is able. Doubt no more. He is able. He is able. He is willing. Doubt no more. He is willing and able. He says, I will be cleansed. The Lord Jesus, with authority and ability, said to this man, be clean. Be clean. What a thing it is to be clean when we're dirty, to go into the shower and to be clean. What a thing it is to be spiritually clean before God. To have all of those sins washed away. And the Lord Jesus, he says, look, be clean. He has the ability to take away our sins. Nobody else does. Not any man. Not any religious person, however well respected they are. They don't have the ability to take away our sins, but Jesus does. And he can. And he does do it. And he's done it for many here. And he can do it for you if you're still in your sins this morning. So we've seen this man's predicament outside of Christ. What a mess. And what a mess we're in outside of Christ. We've seen this man's movement towards Christ. We've seen this man's statement to Christ. This man's encouragement from Christ. And fourthly, this man's fulfillment by Christ. What happened? What was the upshot? What was the result? Would this man be cured? We're told, aren't we, that he was clean. He was healed. His leprosy departed. It went away. And in the same way, our sins can be departed from us. They can be gone away from us forever. What a glorious gospel it is when our sins are pardoned. Every one of them. Think about your sins. Do you ever think about your sins? Every one of them. The mountain up more than Mount Everest can be taken away. Every one of them. His leprosy had departed. And we surely need to realize that that was all of his leprosy. Don't forget, this man was full of leprosy. Every single part of him had leprosy within it. And every part of us has sin within it. To have all of that sin taken away, all of it removed. We're told as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. He's put him into the depths of the sea. And as someone has said, he's put a sign up saying, no fishing. Every one of our sins taken away. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. All of our sins, all the stack high of them, have taken away. They're dealt with. All of them. And when was it? It was immediate. Immediately, this man's leprosy left him. Immediately. It wasn't, well, after a little while, if you prove yourself, you might just find it subsiding a little bit over the next few weeks. Is that what we read? All of his leprosy had gone 
straight away. And all of our sins are gone immediately in God's view. Doesn't mean to say we won't carry on sinning. We will as Christians. But in the courtroom of heaven, they're dealt with. We're not guilty when we come to Christ because Christ has taken it upon himself. And they're dealt with. All of our sins forgiven. They're pardoned. They're dealt with. They're taken out of the way. And they're gone forever. Are your sins forgiven? Are they taken away? Are they dealt with through the Lord Jesus Christ? Every one of them dealt with. If it hasn't, I'd urge you this morning to come to Christ as you are. Don't try and put on airs and graces before him. Don't try and look better than you are. But simply to come to him and say, God be merciful to me the sinner. And if you've known this, and if you say, well, amen, and I agree with it, and I've had it experienced in my life, well, praise the Lord for that. Then rejoice in it again. Rejoice in it again. That every single one of our sins are dealt with through the Lord Jesus. That he saved us by his precious blood upon the cross of Calvary. How we need to think of that often. That we're forgiven sinners. Yes, we're sinners. Yes, we have the accuser of the brethren, the the devil who comes to us and he says, yeah, but you were the one that did that. Yeah, but you were the one that did this. Yeah, but you were the one that said that. But he's got no answer to the blood. And all of our sins washed clean and dealt with for all eternity. They're forgiven. I love Pilgrim's Progress, don't you? And when Christian, he gets to the cross with the burden of sin on his back and the burden rolls away into that sepulchre, the tomb. Oh, blessed sepulchre. Oh, blessed rather be the man who suffered for me. What a great, glorious cross that Jesus died on so that our sins would be pardoned and we would be right with God forever. And ever and ever. Whatever you hear, whatever BBC produces on the news, friends, it'll never be better than that, will it? You'll never ever get a better message, not in Bromsgrove, not in England, not across the world, than this glorious gospel. Wonder in it again. Look at the jewel again. Marvel at it. And rejoice in our Christ, who came into the world to save sinners.